0: Everyone,
1: I'm gonna make him an offer again. Refuse,
0: I see dead people. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean?
2: And knowing
3: is half the battle. What the deuce must have the
1: precious
0: and all forms the head. You are part of the
1: Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away. What you talking about? Woman?
0: Wow. Infotainment. Welcome to the return of Transmissions Extra. And we're making an extra special run of extra special comic reviews. Because IDW and Hasbro are bringing us another crossover event, this time it's First Strike. And we're going to go through all the reviews because our listeners demanded it. The first
3: crossover was First Strike. This is Strike 2, right?
2: No.
0: Oh, that. Oh, I wish that were the case, Yoshi. <laughs> it's puns right themselves, people. But we are today. We are reviewing First Strike, the first issue. <laughs> I have a lot of issues, but yeah. So you know, we we like we are into the Transformers comics. These are adjacent to the Transformers comics, but not really focused on Transformers. So we're putting them in the extra shows because. They don't really go in our main transmissions alt-mode show. So enjoy these uh, little bite-sized treats. We're doing this for you. We're suffering for you through this crossover. So I'm, I'm hopeful artists it'll... True have to suffer. <laughs> and we suffer too, so...
2: I, I was talking about us.
0: <laughs> I know, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> All right, anyway... Yes, we are here to review the first issue of First Strike. Written by Margaret Scott and David A. Rodriguez. Art by Max Dunbar. Colors by Ander Zarate. Letters by Tom B. Long. Assistant Editor David Mariotti. Editor Dave Hedgecock. And Publisher Ted Adams. Now, like they did with Revolution last year, they have produced... A crap ton of covers for this issue. So we have 10 separate covers. I'm not going to describe all the covers. We're just going to go and say which one we like. That's so-
3: borderline treasonous. 10 fucking <laughs> covers.
0: Uh,
2: I have a question before we get started. Okay. Who is everybody? You never introduced oh. us.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Had one job, Charles. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing this for four years. I'm- Well, we we don't usually do the regular intro on the extra shows. He's right. Anyway. Okay. You guys know who we are. I'm Charles, a.k.a. Big C. Over there is Yoshi. That's me. There's Jeremy on the left. Okay. (laughs) And in the back is Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast. Yo. (laughs) And let's talk Hasbro shared universe. Boo. All right, so covers. Yoshi, which cover are you going to pick? Well, sir, uh,
3: because I've got 10 spectacular, abusive, treasonous number of covers to choose from, uh, I am a cover C guy is number one, followed ever so closely by a uh, retailer incentive cover by Livio. All right.
1: Daryl, do you have a particular cover? Um, well, I know the one I bought. Um. But the one that if I had to choose, I would probably pick the convention exclusive cover by uh Sarah Peter De Rocher. It uh it recreates a scene from the story, which I honestly think is the only cover out of all of them that do that. All right.
0: Jeremy, which cover do you like?
1: it's
2: a toss-up between that Sarah and Libio's covers. But I would give an honorable mention to Retailer Incentive Cover A by J. Foskett. Just it has a neat retro, you know, cartoon style to it. But other than Scarlet, I don't know who any of the other characters in that cover are. So,
3: well, there's the character the you? lamp. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I know it's you know Baron Ironblood's mask. So I'm assuming that's him in the back, but I don't know. Which one do you like?
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Levio. I like the Destro in the front and Soundwave behind him, even though it, it's the story will not pair Soundwave and Destro together, I'm pretty sure, since Soundwave is working with the good guys now. It's such but a good I, I rendering like, of Destro, though. Yeah. I like Soundwave in the background. I like how he's uh, he's very stoic there. So, yeah. But, yeah, this is an obscene amount of covers. <laughs>
1: Um, since I, we're just starting it, I wanted to mention that the cover retailer incentive cover D by Will Port I don't know how to say his last name, um, is a is one of like it's a it's a connecting cover. So there's going to be more of those. We saw that art uh, prior. We we've we've seen that art before when it was uh, fully announced that he was working on the, the book or working on some covers. So,
0: uh, where it only looks that, like that's oh, good I was just
1: going to say where it looks like it's it's you know not a complete image where you've only got Optimus's arm there. Um, it's not a complete image. It's it's just a part.
2: Okay, there was something I noticed about uh, cover B. It looks like Optimus has two Autobot logos. It's almost like he just tried to do it one way and then changed his mind, but didn't clear up the outside edges. On which.
1: Just- on which
2: one? Cover B, the the regular cover B, not retail incentive.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Oh yeah.
2: It just it looked really weird to me.
1: Oh yeah, I see that.
0: All right. Well, let's uh let's get into the story, as it is. <laughs> All right. The momentous event has arrived. After months of negotiations, the events Optimus Prime set in motion have come to pass. Marissa Fairborn former head of the Earth Defense Command, has been named Earth's ambassador to the Cybertronian Council of Worlds. Aruna Singh, aka Hashtag, is the human news correspondent covering the event live in Iacon. Still Autobot Titan Metroplex in city mode. With her Cybertronian journalist partner, Circuit. All the VIPs are in attendance, the Earthly Autobot delegation of Optimus Prime with RC and Pyromagna and Starscream and Windblade representing Cybertron, flanked by the Combaticons now serving as Screamer's personal bodyguards. Back on Earth, the G.I. Joe team, led by Scarlet, watches the broadcast remotely. Everyone on the team is bummed they're not on Cybertron, but at least they can relax and watch the festivities. But Joe Commander Scarlet is on edge and tells them to stay on their toes and keep the banter to a minimum. But Roadblock recognizes she's just taking out her anxiety on the team and gets her to open up. Scarlet admits she's not sure getting Earth even closer tied to a planet of giant alien robots is going to work, given how billions have already died from past Cybertronian incursions. But Roadblock reminds her that the only constant in this brave new world is change, and right now there aren't any threats on the horizon on Earth, so they can afford to take a breather and watch the festivities on Cybertron. Scarlet relents and relaxes a bit as they watch the event on Cybertron, Starscream steps forward to deliver his speech, welcoming Earth to the council, and the area is rocked with a massive explosion. Chaos erupts in Iacon. Optimus Prime orders the Combaticons to protect Starscream and Fairborn and evacuate them. Ironhide, Windblade, and the Joe Field team, leaders Talon and Spike, work to secure the area and get all the human and Cybertronian dignitaries to safety. Windblade happens upon a genera bot just standing amid the wreckage. She tells him to evacuate the area and get to safety, but the bot doesn't move or speak. Suddenly, its chest erupts and hundreds of ninjas burst forth to attack. Windblade flies out of range and raises the alarm that the event's been compromised. More of the fake Cybertronians release their deadly cargo and start attacking real Cybertronian civilians. Ironhide leaps into the fray, crushing the humanoid soldiers, realizing they're at least partly robotic. As Ironhide orders his forces to converge on the city square to contain the attackers, he tells Starscream to secure the space bridge to prevent further incursion. Starscream does not one better and orders the space bridge to be shut down. This also cuts off the news broadcast feed for the Joe team on Earth, leaving them in the dark. Scarlet and the Joes are understandably upset. Reviewing the footage from Cybertron, they recognize the leader of the attack force as Baron Ironblood, recently unmasked as General Joel Colton, the former head of G.I. Joe. Scarlet orders Dialtone to search through all the footage and figure out why Joel Colton has become an intergalactic terrorist. They discover that Colton is apparently working with Destro and the new Storm Shadow. But Colton palling around with Cobra makes even less sense. Is he being coerced? Mind-controlled? Analyzing the footage, the tactics of Colton's forces seem erratic. Is he deliberately employing bad tactics to to thwart his handlers? Bottom line, nothing is adding up, and Scarlet is determined to get to the bottom of it. She orders Dialtone to cross-reference all their intel on Iron Blood and Colton to hopefully find a paper trail. Dialtone's research leads them to Colton's secret base (coughs) in the Swiss Alps. Scarlet leads a small team consisting of Lady J, Roadblock, Quick Kick, and Doc to get inside and hopefully get some answers. Each Joe's special skills help them get deeper inside the compound. Doc can hack the electronic locks, Quick Kick uses his acrobatics to cross a laser beam death trap, and Roadblock uses the heavy firepower of his big-ass gun to provide cover fire against the Iron Grenadier troops guarding the base. They finally reach what looks like to be the the inner sanctum, but it has a special lock that has a passcode that resets every 10 seconds if you don't get it right, much like your Google two-factor authentication app. If Doc can't crack it the first time, they don't stand much chance of getting it open. Scarlet asks Doc how many digits the code has, and she answers, five. Scarlet immediately tells her the code is 96563. Doc is hesitant, but enters the code, and it works. Doc asks how she knew, and, and Scarlet answers. The numbers spell out YOJO on a phone keypad. They lock the security door behind them, keeping the guards out, and go three floors down to what appears to be Colton's inner sanctum. It appears to be a living space with nothing there, but Scarlet finds a hidden compartment under the floor tiles. But it's locked with a fingerprint scanner. Scarlet thinks they'll need to lift Colton's print off a surface in the room, but is surprised when the lock opens at her touch. Inside, she finds a letter written to her from Colton. He starts by telling her how proud he is of her and that he didn't want things to turn out this way. He tells her that he hasn't come to this decision lightly, but for Earth to survive, they can't suffer the Cybertronians to live. He knows this means Scarlet will be the one to try and stop him, but he asks her not to. Meanwhile, on Cybertron, Colton slash Iron soldiers have sufficiently distracted Optimus Prime and the other bots with their attack. He deploys the quote-unquote first team of Destro and Storm Shadow in another attack vehicle heading toward the fight with a stated mission to ensure that Cybertron dies. To be continued. And that is the first part of First Strike. Now, before we, we talk about the whole issue, I we do have a backup story. So you'll be happy to know that backup stories have returned. We've got an extra four pages in this comic. And this is uh, something that jeremy has particularly been uh, been lobbying for so it sounds yes. like they they heard you jeremy i'm happy <laughs> so this backup story is called the origins of evil and this is part one red cliff club this is written by john barber pencils by netho diaz inks by walden wong colors by david garcia cruz and this is a much shorter story so we'll get through it quickly Months ago in London, Baron Ironblood visits the Redcliffe Club, which has seen better days. Mercy Gale, a.k.a. Dr. X, Action Man's best friend and mortal enemy, sits in the center of a scene of carnage, dead bodies all around her, enjoying a vintage wine. The ninja Storm Shadow blocks Ironblood at the entry, holding her sword to his throat. Mercy asks what he's doing here, and he answers that he came to finally meet Dr. X in person. Ironblood takes off his helmet, revealing himself to be Joe Colton, presumed dead former head of G.I. Joe. He has a proposal for Dr. X. He was impressed that she was able to keep the Cybertronians out of the UK when they invaded, and he needs her help to purge them from the planet. He's got a device, codenamed Talisman, that he's turned into a weapon against the Cybertronians. He's building a team, and he wants her to join up. Dr. X isn't impressed and decides to test Ironblood slash Colton. She calls her Red Shadows ninjas in to surround him, while Storm Shadow still has her sword at his throat. Colton recognizes that Storm Shadow's been enhanced, but he has too, and snatches the sword from her hand. He then uses his bionic right arm to zap Storm Shadow with an electric blast. He promises that with his talisman, he can give great power to Storm Shadow and her ninja army. Storm Shadow and Dr. X are satisfied Colton is legit. They want all the robots off the planet too, and are willing to align their interests. Finally, Dr. X asks, where do we start? So that gives a little bit of background on what's going on with Joe Colton or Baron Ironblood. Um, but overall, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll get into discussing the whole story. But one thing I can't uh, ignore is how I think a lot of the, the reveals in this book, like, spoil the <laughs> the main hasbro comics because that all it seems like all the hasbro comics are running at least one or two months behind yeah specifically
2: revolutionaries
0: yeah in in this issue they say you know colton was unmasked as Baron Ironblood in revolutionaries number eight and revolutionaries number six was just released and revolutionaries number seven is coming out uh next week so (laughs) they're a little bit behind um and then on the on the back of the comic, there's a bunch of checklists. It says, you know, uh G.I. Joe number nine, mask number ten, Wrath of Karza number five, ROM fourteen, Optimus Prime number ten. All of these books are supposed to be the prelude to first strike, and none of these books have been released yet. <laughs> so that seems to <laughs> that seems to be a bit of a problem when all your lead up books are are really running late. Strike one has bro. <laughs> so but it, uh I'll, it is interesting okay.
2: that on that checklist um books that are are being canceled are it's the season finale instead of being canceled
0: yeah,
3: looks better on uh, but Arizona. yeah I
0: mean I mean for me I guess it it, w- it was an okay start I mean I'm I'm resolved or resigned to the fact that this is not really going to be a Transformers focused story despite the fact that the whole point of the story is to destroy all the Transformers. Uh, so this is really, I mean, and, and if you've read any of the interviews with Margaret Scott leading up to the story, she's made it clear that the focus of this crossover is Scarlet and her relationship with Joe Colton. Um, But, you know, for me, I don't have really any connection to either Scarlet or Joe Colton in the Hasbro universe. So it's a bit of a, I mean, it's fine, but, you know, I'm not really invested in the story. So it's a little, you know, little, a <laughs> little disappointing. So, But, uh, Jeremy, what, what did you think so far?
2: Well, I went into this with the same mindset that I went into the last night. And I'm tired of expecting great things from crossover events and not getting them. And I knew, based on Revolution you know, the robots weren't going to be the focus because why would they, but I knew, you know, I trust Margrid's writing and I just went in expecting a fun book that would hopefully not screw up everything that she's built until R one. And I was pretty happy with, on that regard, you know, um, the characterization of the characters I knew were in line with what I was expecting. um, My biggest question through all of this, which might be revealed in an upcoming Revolutionaries book that hasn't been released yet, was, isn't Joe Colton supposed to be a dire wraith?
0: Yeah, that's the question I have, too. Like, they made a big deal in the first uh, Revolution crossover of murdering Joe Colton at the very beginning. Right. And then, you know, saying, well, he was actually a dire wraith in disguise, so the real Joe Colton is presumably dead. And, yeah, that hasn't really... Been explained how he survived.
2: I, I am glad that I read to All or One, uh, number twelve before this, just because you know Windblade is in this, and I wanted to make sure her mindset lined up with what I you know, was thinking it would be based on events in that book. Um, but I mean, overall, I, I wasn't offended. I mean, the art did not upset me like the Revolutionaries art did. I thought for the most part, the robots look decent. Uh, Waspinator got in in the panel, and that's always good. Uh, the humans look good. Um, Skywarp looks just completely pissed off, which is, you know, that, I, I think that was a a good panel. So, you know, I I enjoyed it for what it was. It, it's not, you know, up there with the, you know, the best idw transformers comics i've read but you know it it's like firmly in the the middle you know it's an okay book
0: yep i'm uh I, with the art i i also was uh i was happy with the art that, um i mean there weren't that many transformers in it but the the ones that were there were you know were fine not you know not what i uh you know not As good, I guess, as the art, what we're used to, but still, you know, pretty reasonable. And the humans actually, the human art, I mean, I I don't, I don't mean this as an insult, but the human art did remind me a little bit of Rob Liefeld. But if Rob Liefeld actually understood the way human bodies worked in proportion, so uh, I thought you mean
2: like a, a Rob Liefeld that could do proportions. Yeah. So basically it's just humans with pockets. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. i mean look at scarlet scarlet's armor yeah. she's, she's she's rocking those pockets there but yeah i thought the i thought the art was good uh but yeah i mean uh, the story was fine it's just i'm not invested in the characters at all so it's a little you know it's fine but i'm not excited or, or intrigued about scarlet and joe colton all right daryl what did you think
1: well um the 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 story particularly didn't do too much for me at all. I, I I wasn't very much interested in it, and it took me quite a while to finish reading it, just because I really couldn't get myself into it. The um I thought the art was very good. Um, there's the uh, where you first see Skywarp, and uh, in, in it you get a, a really really good sense of scale. Uh, he's just even in a seated position, he's towering over everybody. And I thought that just looked great. Um, uh, I think this was, we talked about it in, in, in revolution. And I honestly, I've never read one of the GI Joe books, so I'm not sure. But um, as far as I knew, he was still in the, uh, in the fall of Cybertron body because he hadn't had an opportunity to change his body being attached to the ship and all. But, um, but here he's just in his standard seeker body. Um, I thought the transformers were drawn much better than, uh, than they had been in the, uh, revolution crossover. Um, the one joke that I thought was quite good was right at the start when, uh, when circuit asked Marissa what she was, who she was wearing. And she said, I'm wearing, I'm actually wearing a barber original. <laughs> yeah. I thought <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was good. That was cute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, I, I chuckled at that just because it's obviously John Barber they're referring. Um, but as far as the story goes, I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't like it too much. It's a lot of like, you know, what's going on. They're talking in the room. They're trying to figure out, it. I guess it's a lot of like issue one kind of, you know, problems, just cause they're kind of establishing the characters and they're trying to, you know, associate what the story is going to be. Um, the, uh, once, uh, Scarlet started moving through the, uh, the building, um, it's, it kind of reminded me of, uh, of, uh, Resident Evil with the, the laser hallway. I wanted somebody to get chopped up a bit. That would have been awesome. um, uh, Baron Ironblood is wearing a skirt. I don't know whether anyone noticed that. he um, has got a little mini mini skirt on. Just thought I'd point that out. I believe when um, it's on a man, it's
3: called a kilt.
1: <laughs> it has to. Or a, it, or a tunic. A it, tunic? Has, it has to have a tartan on it to be called a kilt, Yoshi. Um, if
3: a Canadian ever corrects me again, I want you to just to
1: kick me off this podcast, all right? Say something else. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I thought the art was great. Um, the story really, really didn't do too much for me. But I think that's more more about the Joes than anything. I, I, I really don't care much for the G.I. Joes. Um, if the whole series is supposed to be about, you know, killing the Transformers and getting rid of them off of Earth... I'll be kind of interested to see about how they go about doing that. But as of right now, it just seems to be a lot of like, you know, um, uh, like, um, uh, you know, Joe Colton and, and whatnot. And yeah, which I, I, I'm honestly not, not too, not too interested in.
0: All right. Uh, To answer your question about Skywarp at the, end of the the main transformers comic last year right before they they got into the crossover stuff they did uh, you know after they they stopped galvatron and like stopped all his decepticons uh skywarp was i think helped them like at at the end of that story he helped teleport some of the uh like some of the autobots out of danger and some of the humans so he was he was dying because his teleportation ability was still malfunctioning, and the Joes apparently fixed him by removing his teleportation ability altogether and so he's working with them, I guess until like as a condition of them fixing his teleportation ability. that's what I remember I think okay, did they
1: give him a new body because that's that uh, was my concern. I don't care who why they were with him. But I—I I mean that my concern was that his body changed, and there didn't seem to be a reason why.
0: Yeah, I mean they didn't—they didn't really go into it. But I think the first issue of the new GI Joe comic, he's—he's he's in that body. So I guess you have to just assume they that he was retrofitted to more foot fit in with his role as a a Joe fighter jet. I guess I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right, Yoshi. Well,
1: let's
3: make this quick. Uh, I'm echoing a lot of what's already been said. Uh, Mary Grid's a great writer. Uh, as far as a written comic book goes, this one is better than probably 98% of the transformers stuff we've been reading in my opinion. Um, but this is, this is not the crossover we wanted. This is not the crossover we asked for, and yet they're still shoving it down our throats a year later. Uh, I I would I feel like if I were a GI Joe fan I would enjoy this book very much. Now, I'm not I'm not I'm assuming that, but maybe GI Joe fans are just as pissed about this crossover as we are. Uh, but uh, it, it was a well written story. I like I like that aspect of it. I can appreciate that aspect of it. Um, the art was okay. I don't I didn't find it to be anything to write home to mom about, but it was it was acceptable. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I don't, we don't want this story. We didn't ask for that. We don't want this crossover. We didn't ask for it. Uh I feel like this first strike is a, is a better issue than oh, what was a revolution last year. Like it, mm-hmm. it was a better first issue than that was. So uh, yeah, I didn't want it. Don't care for it. It was well-written, but I'm not saying that in a sense of, I'm saying that from an artistic sense, like I can admire a piece of story and this is admirable uh, for what
0: it is. I'm done. All right. Uh, I feel like we should uh, just remember and mention also David A. Rodriguez, because he did collaborate with Margaret Scott. So, uh, you know, there's both writers contributed to the story. So for what that's worth nothing.
2: Yeah. But I think um you know just I'm I'm glad that they had Margaret on the team because she would, you know I'm sure she was keeping them in line in terms of the transformers.
0: Well, yeah, I mean since she's first, my assumption is that she's actually the one really the driving lead the lead yeah. yeah. So It's a good choice. I mean, Till
3: All Our One yeah. was a great series and and she's kicked this off. As well as anyone could hope for. So, yeah. All right.
0: Well, those are our thoughts on First Strike. Join us next week when we
3: review Strike (laughs) 2.
0: That'll never get old. No.
2: No. That
3: that
0: joke is self-recycling.
2: Unpossible.
0: Impossible. All right, yeah, we've we've got a lot of crossover issues. There's six main crossover issues, plus a bunch of the tie-in issues, just like the Revolution thing last year. So I'm sure
2: it's out there, but thanks to my um, acrobat reader in this, that last classified thing on the checklist is Visionaries.
0: Yep. So,
2: I'm
1: sure that was out there
2: before,
0: but... Yeah, it they already to, announced it at SDCC. So. It
1: used to be Skywarp. Remember the first time it came out? It was Skywarp. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh. He's he's the cause of the visionaries.
2: <laughs> he got a, he, he got his teleportation powers back, and then... Um,
0: Wait, he goes too far. He warps yeah, he, too he, far.
2: He got magic into the universe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, catch us back for the next Transmissions Extra, where we'll get the next first strike crossover issue. So, oh, uh, before, before we, we wrap up here, I did want, Jeremy, I wanted to ask you what you thought of the backup story, because I know in particular, this ties a lot into the action man series. So I thought, okay,
2: well, first of all, a confession. When I was reading this, I wasn't expecting the backup series because I forgot that they said they were going to do it. So I didn't actually read it until you were going through the review. I was like, Oh, what's (laughs) this? (laughs) I feel silly because I've been the one calling for these. Um, But I did enjoy it. Um, You know, I don't think we've seen Dr. X really since the action man comic ended. I am a, a, you know, I know the talisman stuff from revolutionaries and I'm just assuming that, you know, hair and iron blood is finally revealed as, Kind of, you know, Joe Colton initiate like we're expecting because it it said that. But you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, Lots and lots of blood. (laughs) It's not, it's not for kids. But but, um, you know, I'm I'm glad that we're getting this to get some more background on some of the the characters that we might not be familiar with, especially if they're going to play if they're going to play a bigger role in the the later parts of the series
0: but isn't dr x in
2: revolutionaries too or not Is she, uh, i can't remember it's been so sporadic i can't remember when the last time i read one was
0: <laughs> yeah i need to just binge them again all right well that's uh first strike thanks everyone for listening uh this has been transmissions extra Please check out our main show, Transmissions, and our comics and media show, Transmissions Alt Mode. Those are all about Transformers comics. Uh, And, you know, Transformers stuff. So, you know, we like Transformers here. Alright, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Later.